Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. Let's all go ahead and stand. We're going to worship the Lord today. We're going to thank him for all that he's done and all that he's doing and all that he will do in Jesus' name. Let faith arise in this room today, in our spirits, not just while we're in this room, but in our hearts, deep down in our hearts, so that when we walk out this morning that we are changed, that we are no longer seeking for hope, but we are giving hope. We are full and overflowing with hope because God is good and he is faithful and he's a good father. So happy Father's Day to all the gentlemen. It is no easy task being a father in this world. The world is not for you to succeed, <laughs> but God is, and we are, so we're thankful for you. It's worship. I won't forget. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart.
never fails. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. Let's sing that again. Your love never fails. never gives up and never runs out on me your love never fails never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails never gives up and never runs out on me your love your love your today one more time. Join with heaven and sing. Love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your Father God is speaking over you today as his child, and he's saying, thank you for never giving up on me. <laughs> he appreciates every intention. He doesn't count how many days you've gone without reading the Bible. He counts how many days you have thought of reading your Bible. 
that you've intended to read your Bible, to spend time with him, all the times that you've thought of him. He holds so close to his heart and he's not here to condemn or admonish you or correct you. He's here to say, I love you. Would it be so bold to say that our Father God would not correct until he knows you love? You're loved by him. And he appreciates you. He loves how you love him, how you think of him. And for some of us, that's very hard to understand based on the upbringing or the experiences we've had. But I pray that Holy Spirit, you bring to mind right now times when Father God has loved each individual here, each child of God here in his special way through someone else or through seeing a butterfly or a hummingbird, whatever car you like, going to the beach, feeling his presence there, wherever it is for you, whatever it is for you. That's the Father's heart. Where you've seen in a park a father just holding his child, not condemning his child, but holding his child and thinking, wow, that's, that's a good father. I don't know that kind of love, but Father God says, you do, you do now. For you in your heart to know that that is love, he's already placed that seed in your heart of his love for you. That is why you're able to identify it and to know what it is and what it isn't. And he's just, he's just saying, I wish you knew how much I sang over you. And when we're singing, we're not <laughs> angry. <laughs> he's got a smile on his face. He's dancing and singing when he's thinking of you. That's what it means. He's singing over you. Like a, like a parent over a baby in a crib. He's singing over you, not just when you're asleep, but when you're awake, when you're working, when you're driving, when you're cooking, when you're eating, when you're figuring stuff out, when you've lost your patience, when you're confused, when you're tired. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just receive your love. To the world's eyes, it might be weird to receive a father's love on Father's Day, but that's just the way you will have it. Because you are love, Father God. You cannot but love. <laughs> but forgive us, Lord, for the image that maybe we've created of you or that 
the more of you that we haven't gotten to know quite yet, God, of your gentleness and your goodness. Maybe because of the things we've heard about you, God. We lay that down so that we can receive you truly as you are, Father God. Please help us see ourselves through your eyes and help us to see you through your eyes, God. That the filter that we always have is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit draws us into unity with you, God. Thank you, Lord. You unravel me with the melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. Cha
Thank you, Lord. 
and fill me, come and fill me. Your river never runs dry. Come and fill me, come and fill me. If you're feeling dry this morning, go ahead and put your arms out. He's, he's hovering over you. And he says, will you let me land? Will you let me land? Will you let me fill you up? Will you allow me to touch you, to fill you, to give you hope, to renew your mind? Won't you fill me again? Thank you, Lord. This morning, Father God has such a huge heart swelling over you. And how do I know this? How can I say this as a general statement over so many people in this room today without have an inkling of feeling like I'm lying or misconstruing the truth is because the Bible says so. That you are the apple of his eye. He knows every hair on your head. He knows when you wake and when you rise. He watches over you as you slumber, as you sleep. Some of us sleep better than others. He's there no matter what. He holds you. Jesus, as he walked on this earth, said, let the little children come. So this morning, I implore you, I ask of you to reconsider yourself as standing on his faithfulness, just like we sang. I I feel like the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me a lot about um, how we trust. Go ahead and you guys can take a seat. You know, specifically in the area of trust. And this is typically broken for a child or a baby when there's sin going on in the family. Don't worry, I'm not calling you out on sin this morning. The Lord has such a broken heart for children who have grown up where there is sin in the family. And they grow up, they are nurtured in a way that they think is normal, okay? Because every child grows up in their family, they consider that as normal. That's the norm for them. That's why when we get married, we have to shed all those things off, right? (laughs) I know. Um, But when there are secrets in the home, when there are secret sins in the home, It's so hard for a child to trust their hero, their dad, right? We grow up with the notion that, wow, that's my dad. You know, at some some point that changes, perhaps, 
And it ha- if it hasn't for you, that's awesome. I'm so, so grateful that God has given you a father that you can continually look up to. But for many of us, maybe it's not the case. That there's this disillusionment at some point when we're like, wait, there's something different. <laughs> He's not all I made him up to be in my mind. You know, and as fathers, maybe it's so intimidating and overwhelming to live in a way where you don't want to be found out. That that reality of your humanity, you know, over your kids. You don't want that glass to shatter, but you feel like it's going to happen. But did you know God is over all of that? You know, when the child who looks up to the father and says, but wait, why are you keeping this stuff from me? Why are you getting angry at me? Why are you getting defensive? Why are you taking me to the store all the time and hanging out with your friends while I wait in the car? Or, you know, whatever it may look like, you know, and that's a very specific situation. But there are little things that start coming up as we get older, right? We gain understanding. And I think to Adam and Eve, when they gained understanding, where they thought they had control, that they knew what's what now after they took the fruit, right? But what's amazing is that they did not see any lack in God. They thought they did when they took the fruit. But after they took the fruit, remember that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Evil. They hid from him. And they saw their own sin, right? As children, you know, when we have that glass shattering, you know, moment or starting to in our minds, then we see the father's sin. And the Lord wants to redeem that today where we lost trust in our fathers or a father figure or father figures, more than one maybe. He says, Will you give that to me today? Will you let me redeem that? Where you were supposed to be able to trust that one man in your life and then you found out you couldn't. Or maybe they treated you in a certain way that they treated the other sibling and it worked for them, but that's not how you are and you needed something else. You needed maybe forgiveness or gentleness where they needed, you know, tough love. You know, and you didn't agree with the way that they raised you or dealt with you. Will you give that to the Lord this morning? Because the enemy knows that that can keep you from receiving everything that God has for you. Because while we can receive from God in these areas, when we get to that father, you know, figure, where in that song it says, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Some of us tiptoe on his faithfulness. Some of us play, you know, what's, you know, right foot in, right foot out. And we're not completely firm in standing on his faithfulness because of that moment, which is our humanity. That's not a wrong moment. That's supposed to happen. And that's why fathers are meant to point the children not to themselves as a hero, but to God as the hero, to Jesus, the Savior. The fathers are not to save, but in the way that God leads them to save. 
Because at that moment, grace comes in. But of course, we live in the world. And it doesn't always happen that way. But the Lord can still redeem it today, no matter how old you are or how young you are. That does not keep us from being held by God, sitting on his lap, leaning on him. And he's just so enjoying your presence. He's so delighted in you. And he is secure. He is sure because there's no darkness in him, like it says in the word. You know, whereas a father and gentlemen in the room, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the Spirit's, you know, saying that sometimes fathers, we withhold love, not because we're punishing the child, but we're almost punishing ourselves. He's saying that. I'm not a father. But, you know, as parents, maybe. Like, I don't want to love too much because they'll find me out. Or I don't know if I could do this the right way all the time. So we kind of withhold. But aren't you so glad that God has no no thing hidden in him, no insecurity, no uh, fear that he can't love you. And so he, when he loves, he's just, I love you. <laughs> like, I don't know, Santa Claus. I don't know, a figure in your mind that is so open-armed to you and never closed off, never, be quiet, you're too loud, never, why are you calling me? You know, I'm busy. <laughs> He's here because he's secure. He's faithful. So we can stand on his faithfulness. And from that place of standing on God's faithfulness, we can love our fathers. We can love the men in our lives. We can love other people. We can love our moms. We can love our children. We can be children that are loved. But it all comes from standing on his faithfulness because he's not withholding and he's not punishing and I, and I hope I'm not taking from the message today <laughs> too much. But today, I would like you to take a moment and just search. Allow the Holy Spirit to search your hearts. Is there, is there a moment in your soul? We carry things, you know. Even from when we were young, we may not uh, mentally remember but we rem- our, our soul remembers, our bodies remember. Holy Spirit, come and search me for the times I was disillusioned by my father figure, and I give that to you. I lay it down. You never told our fathers to be perfect because you are the perfect father. So, Lord, forgive me for maybe putting that person on a pedestal when you are God. No person is God. And Lord, I pray that you come in to that place. You bring healing, restoration, faith, God, security, And we are then allowed to be free in our emotions, 
When we're angry, God, we can come to you, and we know that you won't turn us away. When we've messed up, we know that we can go to you. You won't turn us away. When we're sad, when we're happy, you meet us there. So, Father God, I pray for every single person here and every single wound that they may be carrying in 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 this issue of a father or a father figure. Father God, I thank you that as you've wiped our slate clean, that you can wipe their slate clean in our minds. That, yes, Lord, we can forgive them. Yes, Lord, we can have grace. Perfect love drives out all fear and love covers a multitude of sins. When we stand on your faithfulness and we stand on your example, we stand on your, your um, security, God, in who you are. You have no insecurity. Therefore, you're able to love without withholding or, or without punishment. Lord, teach us to love in that way. Thank you, Lord, for, for all the times, Lord, that you're washing over with grace, that we questioned our fathers. We... we um, doubted them we looked down on them Lord forgive us for that and come and heal in this room I believe you're here I believe you're doing it Lord Father God and I believe we can walk out of this room new I believe we can walk out of this room knowing we're loved and and just because someone didn't love us in the way that we maybe wanted it doesn't mean we get to not be whole because your love covers all. And it doesn't mean that we cannot now love. We are able to love with a full heart. So thank you, Lord, for the work that you do. You do it like no one else could because you are like no one else on this planet, universe, this world, Lord. There's no one like you, and we thank you for who you are and for reaching down to us, into our hearts, God, into the spaces that we need you to fill. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, happy Father's Day. Some tough stuff going on, maybe in our, in our hearts, but it's a good thing, isn't it? He, he's such a gentle surgeon, you know. He's not just going to take an axe and say, I'm going to chop off your whole, you know, childhood or your whole memories or your whole heart for loving. But he just takes the little parts that we need kind of taken out. Won't you please stand and greet one another before we have Michael come up and do announcements um, and just wish each other a happy Father's Day.
How's everybody doing this morning? God would buy everybody that you see when you look around. Amen. So we have a few announcements this week. Um, quite a busy summer, actually, a few months. So there's lots of opportunities to get involved and, and uh, to get connected. Amen. So we got, um, obviously, it's Father's Day. So we have, we're going to have uh, Dad's Root Beers outside in the foyer out there. So... On your way out, dads, go ahead and grab some. Amen. If you're a mentor, if you're a, a leader, if someone looks up to you, go ahead and grab one too. Amen. Because you're, you're a type of father figure in, in these young men's and, and daughters' lives also. Amen. So go ahead. Feel free to grab some out there and enjoy them. Amen. The, the uh, ministry, the sound ministry, if, there's, if you feel a desire and a need in your heart to get involved and you feel like, I just don't know what it is that God wants me to do, or this is a great place to start, amen? And I encourage you, this is a ministry. Don't look at it as a, as a, as a job. Don't look at it as a task. This is a ministry. Yeah. Because you may not know it, but you're ministering to people with, your, with, the, with the talent that God has blessed you with, amen? And if, you're, if it's something that you are interested in learning, um, they'll teach you. Trust me, they'll teach you. Amen. So there's going to be a class. Um, it's going to be Thursday, June 23rd, um, or RSVP by June 23rd, um, if you're interested. And it'll be Saturday, June 25th, from 10 to 12. Amen. So don't don't feel like, well, you know, I don't. I'm not very technically sound. Um, show up. Amen. If that's something that God is laying on your heart. Amen. Young professionals. If you're a young professional, I encourage you to get connected, get involved. Amen. Um, this is a crucial time in our lives. I remember me at this age. It's a crucial time. And it's all about who are they getting connected with? Because it's going to play a, a big, big influence in their life. And if we can get them connected to godly um, young people and leaders, you'll see what God will do in their life. It's, I mean, the decisions that they're going to make. It's going to set the course for their life. Amen. So I encourage you to get, get involved. Um, they, they're going to have events coming up. It's going to be Saturday or Friday, or Thursday, sorry, uh, the 23rd. There's going to be a dinner and a craft at Craft Roots. It's a vegan restaurant. Don't worry about it. I've tasted it. It doesn't taste vegan at all. It's really good. So if you're like, vegan, I'm eating plants. No, you won't. Um, it's, it's really, really good. Amen. So also we have our Unbound Youth Ministry. Um, they get together at Connect, Crossroads Connect. It gets together every Wednesdays. That's from 6 to 8. Um, and that's Pastor Nick and Rebecca. This is our youth right here. This is our youth Woo! worship team right here. Amen. And it seems like every time we have a youth Sunday, there's more and more youth up there. Amen. So that's an awesome thing. Amen. And if you guys are, if there's youth out there that want to get involved in the ministry and, and worship, contact Nick or contact Rebecca. Amen. And they're always willing, always willing to teach and learn. Amen. 
um, Bible study. Pastor David is doing a class on the life of Jesus Christ, and that's going to be Sunday nights from 5 to 7. That starts June 26th, and it goes on for about a month and a half. Um, if you're interested in learning more in depth of the life of Christ, this is going to be an awesome class. It's going to open your eyes. Amen. When you go back and study the Bible yourself, you're going to, it's going to put things in context for you. It's just going to open, you're going to go deeper. Amen. This is a $25 course, and that's nothing. It's hardly anything. And if that is um, an issue, show up anyways. Don't worry about it. Um, we'll cover it. Amen. Tongues of Fire is going to be July 1st. I encourage you, show up. But don't just show up like it's a regular service. Show up expecting. Show up believing that God is going to move in your life, that you're not going to leave the same way that you came in. Because this is going to be a powerful time of worship. It's going to be a powerful time of letting the Spirit move. And like I said, come expecting, come open. Amen. It's going to be Friday, July 1st at 8 o'clock. Powerful service. Water baptism. That's going to be on July 3rd. Amen. Um, I encourage you, even if you want to make a recommitment to Christ in your walk, sign up. Get baptized. Maybe this is going to be your first time getting baptized. This is a big decision in your life. Amen. So I encourage you to get baptized. Sign up. It's going to be uh, the 3rd. And right after, you're going to have ice cream. So what's better than that? Getting baptized have an ice cream. It's going to be nice and sunny out. Amen. So there's going to be an ice cream truck here right after service following uh, both services. So come. Amen. Come and enjoy. And we're also doing a marriage retreat. How many of you want a healthy, strong marriage rooted on Christ? Yes. There should be every, every married couple in here. Amen. Then I encourage you to sign up. It's $25 a couple. Um, and it's going to be Shelly, and she's an awesome speaker. Uh, she's a licensed family therapist, counselor. Um, she's, God has just blessed her with knowledge and, and resources, and she's going to share that with us. So I encourage you, uh, married couples, even if you're thinking about getting married, even if you're in a relationship right now, I encourage you to sign up also. Amen. It doesn't, doesn't hurt. It's always benefiting. Amen. And we always have um, life groups. There's different life groups that we have that do it different days, um, Fridays, some do it Mondays, some just various days, but there's always a life group to get connected with. So I encourage you, if you're not involved, um, get connected, get connected in a life group, amen? That leads me into our missionaries. Um, that's going to be Laurel and Kim Harvey of uh, Rural Compassion. Rural Compassion focuses here in the U.S., and they go out to little towns, rural churches that me and you've never even heard of, but that have a need. Amen. And they go out and they come alongside them and they give them resources. They teach them. Amen. They help them out in these communities. Amen. And this is an awesome thing that they're doing. They also um, serve in like disaster areas, you know, when there's when churches are having hard times financially or disaster, they come and they bring relief. Amen. So I encourage you, amen, if you can give to this ministry and pray for, for the Harveys. Amen. And that's going to lead me into, that's going to lead me into our tithes and offering. 
Amen. You know, we serve a God who is, is faithful. And God does not go against himself. Because even when we're unfaithful, God's still faithful. But let me tell you, once you open up and stretch, amen, God stretches us and, and we open our faith up to him and we give according to what he's asking, God blesses. I don't know how he does it, but he's done it many times in my life and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but God always blesses. And let me tell you, just step out and trust God, amen, and what he's asking. So, Father, right now, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, this morning. And we just ask your blessings over this, Father. Lord, I pray, Father God, for, Lord, the seed that is getting planted through this, Father God, through your offering, Father. And, Lord, I just ask, Father God, that you would touch many lives through it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Your love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I Crossroads, happy Father's Day. Uh, you guys can take a seat. On my way here to church, my soul was just crying out to God. Uh, it was an amazing thing. It wasn't like sorrow. Uh, he was telling me, yeah, we're fathers, we're father figures, we're parents, but first and foremost, we're a child of his. And I'm like, man, Father's Day is so awesome. I get to celebrate the best father, God. And yeah, I have a father on earth. And I sent him a text saying, hey, love you. Thank you so much for being faithful. You work so hard every day. And no matter what day you have, you always pull out your Bible and get into his word. And you put that as a priority, and that really meant a lot to me. And I'm proud of you, and I'm proud to call you dad. Well, my father was not perfect in every kind of way, but I'm able to pair God's grace in our relationship. There were some things where I had to look back at in my past and pair it with the Holy Spirit's eyes, 
so I could process the situation now as an adult, which some of us need to do. But God is so good, he's given us a gift to look at our past and be healed from it. It's not just like, oh, whatever happened in the past, that's fine. Just start where you are now. Like, he blesses us to where we're even able to look at the past and be healed. So I was thanking God all the way here as I was picking up donuts and coffee. Uh, After service, if you guys want, there's donuts and coffee out there. But happy Father's Day to everyone, as this is a day to honor all fathers, and father figures too. Father's Day can be hard, like we talked about, for some people to celebrate, maybe because there was abuse in the house, or chaos, or where a father isn't or was never present. That could build up resentment. No matter your situation or background, God will never abandon you or mistreat you, withhold from you, or change. His promises are kept. Your Heavenly Father is is the God that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the Father who saved Daniel from the lions the Father who was with Joseph in every high and in every low, the Father who saved and freed you and me. He's the Father whose mercy and grace are abundant, the Father who loves you more than you can understand. That's how great his love is. We won't understand it here on earth completely. You and I are a child first and foremost, of God. No matter what mistakes you've made, and his love is never conditional, you could turn your back on him and he still loves you the same. Taking a look at Luke 15, 11 through 32, Jesus shares the parable of the prodigal son. Here we learn that there are two different attitudes with which we can approach our relationship with God. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of, my, of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to to fill his stomach with pods that that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. When he came to, these, to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. Oh, sorry. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never give me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill and Oh, sorry, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, said the father, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In this story, we see a story of recklessness. From the first brother. He goes from reckless love to reckless living. The son, who was the youngest of the two, did something really unusual that completely maligned his father's reckless love for him in a favor of a reckless life. He basically said, Father, I know you're not dead yet, but I can't wait any longer. I want my inheritance now. The father had no obligation. And you might look at the story and go, that's reckless to give this boy that inheritance. But that's reckless love. He divided up his wealth and gave the rightful portion to his younger son. Shortly, the adventurous young man took all his money and traded in what he considered his lowly life with its small town living for the high life in the big city. Although the Bible doesn't go into detail about what he did there, it does say that he squandered his living. That means he was living recklessly, a mindset of living for today. And nothing mattered to him except the fleeting thrill of a few meandering moments of pleasure. His family didn't matter. 
His health didn't matter. His job didn't matter. His reputation didn't matter. The example he was to others, none of it mattered. He just lived for that high, that thrill. This is an attitude that's glorified in movies. But what an incredibly selfish and irresponsible way to live. It's short-sighted, immature, destructive, leading people exactly where it led the sun. Nowhere. It's reckless, putting pleasure and instant gratification above everything else. He had recklessness on speed dial. He soon learned that it was the wrong number. His mistake led him to pay the price of living in misery. And from reckless living, he went to a shipwrecked life. His father's fortune disappeared because it was dwindled. He spent all the money, and once the the cash stopped flowing, his friends stopped coming around as well. And to make matters worse, a severe famine hit. That's like, this kid hit rock bottom. He made a huge mistake. And there's some who, if back in time, knew that was going to happen, would still step into it because maybe it wouldn't happen. Verse 14 says that he was in need. You see, his selfish lifestyle left him empty and needy. It's ironic that he spent everything he had trying to satisfy his selfish cravings and urges. And instead of being satisfied, he ended up being needier than he was before. His low point came when he was forced to take a terrible job, feeding pigs and living with them in the pig pen. It was a consequence of the inevitable. High cost of low living, and his situation was exactly where that sort of irresponsible lifestyle leads. Fun while it lasts, when the famines of life hit. You become a miserable, resentful, hopeless person who is no help to yourself or anyone else. So there he was, a wreck and all, And from that shipwreck, he realized his rock bottom. And he realized the goodness of his father. So much so that he wanted to go back as a servant for his father. Because he knew his father treated his servants well. If you look at Proverbs 15, 21... Oh, that's small. Sorry, guys. (laughs) 
It says, Folly brings joy to one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. He wanted to go to a straight course. Some people shuffle the deck of life and play the hand they are dealt with, whether the cards come up with relationships, financial success, elevated status, or virtue gambit from heights of religious achievement to the depths of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> I, I like all kinds of genre music. Don't take offense from that statement. <laughs> But whatever edge of the spectrum they are on, reassuringly moral to chillingly moral, immoral, it doesn't take long to discover that an eternal soul cannot be filled with anything from this world. Consequently, the prodigal son's journey was a graveyard spin that seemed impossible to escape until one day he woke and he thought, how did this happen? How did I get here? Is there any help for me? Or do I have to be left to crash and burn? As a youth pastor, I've come across many youth who believed a lie that the world tries to plant in the mind, a belief of, I need to learn by experience or discover if that's not for me. I grew up with two siblings, and I would see their mistakes, and I go, ah, well, I'm different. I'm not going to, it's not going to be the same for me. And I'd mess up too. Well, let me tell you, the discernment of the Holy Spirit is what protects you. Always Present things to God before you make a decision. Meditate on his word and invite the Holy Spirit to move. Don't get in the way by saying, I'll try it out. So the young son returns to his senses and thinks about his father and his house. He comes back home with the right attitude. I am a bad man. I've done wrong. I have sinned. I do not deserve to be called a son. I would like to be at least a hired servant. However, my father is good. Therefore, I'll go to him. All the while, the father doesn't lose sight of the identity of his son. So he doesn't receive him as a servant, but as a son. Even though the son left and squandered everything, his father gave him when he returns. His father gives him gifts on top of accepting him back. I, I don't have kids here on earth yet, but a father's love 
always takes back. Just because a kid messes up doesn't mean, out of my house, I don't know you. But greater love is God, our Father's. We have like crazy things called emotions that sometimes block us up and make us have battles with our words and our minds and our heart. Our flesh gets in the way. God doesn't have that. He's over that. The son didn't have to do anything to make up for his mistakes. The father still equipped and provided the son. When I was in fourth grade, I loved Star Wars. And any chance I had, I would pretend I was a Jedi. Whether it was riding my bike and pretending that I was uh, flying a X-wing starfighter <laughs> and blasting all the cars driving by or down my street and sometimes crashing into the cars because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> or playing with lightsabers that we'd find in our house <laughs> with my brother or sister or cousins. Well, my sister and I and brother walked to school and back every day, rain or shine. And come rain, we needed umbrellas. So my dad got us small umbrellas, because I think one of us lost the really nice big umbrella. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm just going to get you a cheap umbrella now. But the cheap umbrella was the coolest in my eyes, because that thing, when you pop the button, it slung out. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like a lightsaber. <laughs> so my sister showed me to take it out and then press the button. And as you're pressing the button, give it a nice flick. So really flicks out aggressively, and then we could start battling each other. And being the smallest, I was never able to beat my brother or sister. So I was like, I'm going to practice. I don't know if that's a young, youngest child type of thing, to practice in secret so he could be victorious in the eyes of others. Um, but I did that. And one day... I practiced in the house. <laughs> it wasn't raining, nothing, but I practiced in the house. And we had this wall of windows. I took it out. It busted off the handle, because it was cheap, <laughs> and flew through one of the windows. My dad had the most amazing ears, and still does. <laughs> you could hear like a car when it's outside, maybe 10 blocks down the road. And he'll ask, did you hear that? I'm like, I don't know, but I believe it's there. And he came running, well, more like stomping. I could, at that age, it felt like the floor was shaking when he'd stomp into the room. And he's like, what did you do? And that was rhetorical. I didn't understand that as a fourth grader, so I started telling him a full story. He was not impressed whatsoever by me being a Jedi. He immediately took me to Home Depot to purchase a glass and gave me the receipt and said, 
This is coming out of your birthday money, Christmas money, whatever money you come across, you're going to pay this off. So we bought a window and putty and scraper. And then he put me in the backyard, showed me how to scrape off everything that was left on there, and talked me through what I was going to be doing. And then said, you're not coming back in this house until that window is secured on that wall. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you have a lot of faith <laughs> in this fourth grader right here who's never done any handiwork. But I had to make things right. I had to fix my mistake. And looking back at it, I'm not bitter like, oh, you made me fix what I did first before welcoming me back in the house. I'm actually thankful that he did that because now I value things of the house much more. <laughs> and I'm not scared when a new endeavor comes on to fix or try to take care of something. I'm like, I've fixed a window when I was in fourth grade. I could figure things out. My dad gave me a shorter speech than YouTube can give me now, so I could watch YouTube and figure things out. But sometimes in life, we do things much worse that actually damage people. And maybe it feels like it's not fixable. But God does not require you to fix before coming back to his house. You're still his child. He still loves you just as much through your success and through your failure. God does not say, stay out there till it's fixed, then come in. God rejoices that you turn to him and forgives without condition. Now the prodigal son, he realized his mistake, and he asked for forgiveness. Those are things that we should do. Jesus came not to condemn, but to forgive. The father in the parable gave three things to the son. It was a lengthy message, so if you didn't catch it, I don't blame you. It's real brief, the three things that he gives to the son when he comes back. The first is he gives him new clothes. That's Christ. No matter the decision or mistakes you've made, God does not lose sight of your identity. When you give your life to Christ, you are his. He, your identity, in Christ is not lost when you seek forgiveness. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 3.26 through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Your value is no less or greater than your brother or sister in Christ. Your identity is now in Christ, just as ours is. Live in this new identity. Nothing can keep a label on you permanently. The world will try to label you, saying you're depressed. But when you're in Christ, your true identity is in Christ. It's not anxiety, depression, anger. Through Christ, we become more than conquerors. Yes, hard times will come and go, but nothing shall break me. This is a gift of the Father. Romans 13, 14. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Colossians 3, 12, 15. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. John 1, 12 through 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural, natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The next thing that the Father gives is a ring, and that's authority. John 14, 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's Jesus speaking. And what really sticks out to me ever since I read this as a kid was they will do even greater things than these. Do you feel like you'll do greater things? If not, you're not fully accepting what God the Father is giving you, which is authority. I love sports, especially as a kid. Like, <laughs> no matter whether or not the kid can, it's like 
everyone's like, yeah, do it. You will do it. You can do it. Like the faith put in a sports player is so great. And that's from a human. God doesn't just have faith that you can. He, he is the one who empowers. So he, he knows. Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Ooh, Pastor Nick, I don't know. Some things feel like they harm me. Nothing will harm you. You have that authority in your life. Sandals, oh, sorry, the last thing that the father gave to the son when he returned was sandals on his feet. This is the Holy Spirit that equips him to go on. Romans 8, 5 through 15. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindsets on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For, who, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoptionship to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit leads and empowers you to put to death fleshly desires. These are all gifts from our Father to you, to your children. Now, Scripture does say sons a lot, and I'm saying son, but it's son and daughter. And finally, on top of all three of those gifts, the father throws a party to celebrate. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. 
He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's from Zephaniah 3.17. God celebrates us. Don't continue beating yourself up because you have made mistakes. Don't continue beating yourself up because you made bad choices. Don't continue beating yourself up when God has forgiven you. Don't stay in the pit, sorry, don't stay in the pit of despair. Don't give up. Keep on fixing your eyes on God. God is on your side and God will never give up on you. I was in a group that uh, read Fathered by God. Has anyone read that book before? No? Okay. Well, it's an interesting book. It goes over different stages of a of manhood, I guess. And one of them's like a cowboy kind of like going out and fending for himself and figuring out how to protect himself and others. And there's child, there's different stages. And what this book really urged you to do is look back at your past experiences to bring healing. And that's not just healing from yourself. It was a really weird concept when I first read it because I'm like, man, this is like the movie The Kid. Have you guys seen that with Bruce Willis is his name, Bruce Willis. It's an older movie. I was a kid when I watched that. Um, he ends up seeing himself as a kid somehow. And there's a scene where he helps the child him when he's getting beaten up by bullies. And he helps him. And that's what it felt like. Like I was go looking back at a past experience and going, oh, Nick, it's okay, that happened. Uh, you're still loved. <laughs> but that's because I was trying to do the healing. You have to partnership with the Holy Spirit. And you have to step into God's love. Because with his love comes grace and mercy. And I was able to look at certain situations and not only forgive somebody and not have to like go to that person who doesn't even know they hurt me in that way, but bring healing by processing with the Holy Spirit and going, man, I was hurt in that stage. God, I didn't even know I needed healing, but here I am asking for it now. And when you ask in the name of Jesus, it happens. So next we have the older son who considers himself an exemplary man, a hard worker, but poorly rewarded. 
From his perspective, he is the good one, and his father is bad and unjust. The father does not confuse this son's identity either, but says, My son, all that is mine is yours. The difference is in the attitude of the children, as the father is good to both of them. If you think you are good and that your father must reward you for what you do, then you fall into a slavery mentality and do not enjoy your dad's provision. But if you believe that despite being a sinner, you have a father who forgives you and restores you, then you know well that you are a son of God. Step into his love and respond to his love. God has an inheritance for you. There's a big difference between receiving a fair pay and receiving an inheritance. Romans 8.17 Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. God has made us co-heirs with Christ. What does this mean? The inheritance is not the payment for work, but a right received for being a son or daughter. In the letter to the Romans, we read that as children, we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 14 through 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In the letter to the Galatians, we read again what we are. Galatians 4, 6 through 7. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The Holy Spirit that lives in us has that possibility of calling God Abba, Father, which if you look it up, it's very endearing word for father. It's like a child saying daddy or dada. I have two nephews, and I love seeing them interact with my brother. He's such a great dad, and it makes me joyful for just fatherhood. I see them out of random situations come up to him and lay on him like their head right against his chest where his heart is and then go, I love you, Dad. The Holy Spirit that lives in us has that possibility. Peter tells us that this inheritance prepared for the children is indestructible 
uncontaminated, and unbroken. That is the inheritance that we receive because we're children of God. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Being a son is something wonderful. And again, I mean child. I don't, I'm not leaving you ladies out. Being a child is something wonderful. There are so many benefits we receive for being children of God. Although at first it's not very pleasant to receive the correction of the Father, it is part of our relationship because God loves us. Hebrews 12, 4 through 1. In your struggles against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens every, everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his child. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and a peace for those who have been trained by it. When my dad left me outside to fix that window, it was not pleasant in that moment whatsoever. Looking at it now as an adult, I take away, like, I learned something. The Bible says that the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Upon receiving a father, we expect to live under his authority and his rules. His sovereignty is absolute as well as his mercy and love. Certainly no sanctions or discipline that God applies in our lives is welcome at the beginning, but we must understand that God's purpose is that we bear fruit of justice and peace. This is part of being a son of God. In the parable that Jesus spoke of, the father searches the horizon. And when he sees his son, he runs to him, throws his arms around his son, and kisses him. He puts robe on him. Oh, sorry. He puts his robe on his son. So not even like goes to the son's, 
the other son's closet and pulls his robe. He takes his robe and gives it to him. And his ring on his finger. Then the father throws a massive dinner party for his long lost son. The story illustrates how God in his love crosses the distance to connect with us. Whoa, Pastor Eric, I thought this was just about like the sons. This illustrates how God in his love crosses the distance to connect with us. Even when we feel like we don't deserve it. Even when we've messed up, made mistakes. He continues to love us through our rebellion. And when we come home, it's not our service he deserves, but our love. God is all about love. And sometimes we get stuck in the mindset of slavery, of services. John 15, 13, the greatest demonstration of God's love for us is the cross of Jesus Christ. On one of the last nights before he would give his life, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. The greatest gift of our Father was Jesus. Because on the cross, a price was paid, a price that I couldn't have paid, you couldn't have paid. At the time, Jesus' Jesus's friends didn't know it, but that's exactly what he was planning to do, lay down his life. God the Father loved us so much, he sent his one and only son to die so we wouldn't pay that price for our sins. It's amazing to think of denying, oh, sorry, of dying on behalf of a friend, but even more unfathomable would be dying for an enemy. Yet that is exactly what Christ did on our behalf. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not followers, sinners. He died for us. God took the initiative to invite us into friendship by giving up his only son to take all the punishment on the cross for our sins. Crucifixions were the most brutal of all capital punishments. The criminal was nailed to a cross, naked, and left hanging to die by exhaustion. As if that wasn't bad enough, Jesus was tortured, he was beaten, and sentenced to death by an illegal trial. When we read the story, detailed us in all four Gospels, uh, Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, John 19, Our hearts scream 
and justice. Yet, man's injustice accomplished God's perfect justice. It's difficult to even imagine such a punishment. However, at the cross of Christ, horror and hope came together. Death is the punishment for sin before God. God made Christ, who knew no sin, become sin on the cross so that all his wrath towards that sin was poured on Christ. When Jesus rose victoriously, he conquered sin and death for all time. Once we put our faith and trust in Christ, God clothes us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. From then on, we look as good to the Father as Jesus himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see Father's Day a little bit different? He loved us before we loved him. That, his love is so great that we won't understand it fully. And yes, we have fathers here on earth too, and we celebrate you and honor you. But first and foremost, you're a child. And don't take for granted the gifts that he gives you and his love that celebrates you. We're gonna have a response time where our youth are gonna come up. Uh, they were on stage doing worship and they're gonna be partnered with some youthful girls <laughs> and myself and Let your heart respond, whether it be a new revelation of God's love for you as Abba the Father, somebody who wants you on his chest, right there with his heart beating. Or you could come up for the youth to just speak blessings into your life. We had a camping trip where we were unplugged, did no electronics, went away to a lake, this a four-hour drive, stuffed everything in the car. All you could see was the youth's head. Next time I'll get like a roof rack and carriage or rent a car, but... It was an intimate time with one another where we realized the power of our words and 
we weren't always speaking life. So now the youth are really stepping up their game and being life speakers. So however the Holy Spirit's moving you right now, you could stand in your chair, worship God, thanking Him. You could come up for blessings or even specific prayer requests. They'll pray over you. But right now, let's take the moment to honor Abba, God our Father. understanding an understanding that pushes us forward to share the good news Father God we honor you today help us to honor one another as well as parents as father figures as somebody who's spoken life 
to someone else. In Jesus' name, amen. We have root beers out there on the table. Um, there's, you need a bottle opener, so there's bottle openers on the table. If you could just uh, pop the cap, you could leave the cap on the table. We'll clean up after service, but then put the bottle opener back there. We need it. God bless.